It's time for The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino calling line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Here's the moment everybody's been waiting for. Taylor Tatum, where will you be committing to? Yes, sir. Well, first, I'd like to say, you know, you see, see, I got my guys behind me pretty quick, so I'd like to give all thanks to them. You know, uh, my parents right here up, up here with me, you know, always told me to strive, be the best I can be in anything I want to do. But, you know, with that being said, commit to University of Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Boomer Sooner, Boomer Sooner. <laughs> yep, what a moment it was at 11.30 today, five-star running back. Yeah, you probably heard. Biggest skit, in my opinion, so far of the 2024 class. Taylor Tatum commits to OU and USC, and yeah, it was pretty sweet. It was pretty sweet. They get to, uh, OU beats out to Muleshoe earlier today. Travis Davidson joins me. Pierce Luffelholtz joins me as well. And, uh, Travis, I'll start with you, man. Just kind of your initial thoughts as to how big of a uh, recruiting win this was today for OU. Well, happy five-star Friday to you, my friend. And, uh, Ooh, you know. Five-star Friday. Let me write that down. Right, right. Yep, yep. No charge on mm-hmm. that one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's massive. And I was, I was texting with uh, uh, somebody today. And for for this to come together, so many things had to happen, right, Tyler? I mean, like this specific thing where DeMarco Murray, who also chose between OU and USC years ago, is the recruiter for one of those schools against, for a guy who's who's picking between those same schools against his former boss that tried to get him to come out to the – I mean, it's just – the, the it's layers on layers on layers of of storyline and that's what we love in this industry obviously uh that's that's what you know college sports is all about the great storylines and, and you're not going to find much better than today tyler and i want to give the biggest of shout outs to skip johnson reggie willits ryan yep. Gaines, all those guys i mean w- without their efforts this recruitment may not get done and I know, you know, kind of football, you know, carries a lot of the water around here. But, man, baseball, I'm wearing literally an OU baseball jersey right now to celebrate it. Uh, it's a good way to celebrate, man. Um, you're missing out on a good time here at Chicken and Pickle. My buddy Scott's out here. We had a few members of the Ref Army show up with koozies and T-shirts. So, yeah, Taylor Tatum, Five Star Friday, whatever you want to call it, is uh, it's, it's – it's off to a roaring start thus far, and uh, it's just a great get. And it's it's interesting, Pierce, that you know this is the first class that I think that we're seeing publicly that is saying, yeah, the SEC was a huge reason as to why I picked OU. And how many times did we talk about it while OU was in the Big 12? Man, being in the Big 12 is it's a bit of a disadvantage. The SEC, maybe they have this line that you don't have right now. They can negatively recruit the conference that you're in. 
Tatum said today, quote, one of the main reasons, one of the main things was going to the SEC. Being a big dog in football and baseball, I'm going to be a part of the big dogs. Getting a chance to play baseball and football in the SEC is just something I couldn't deny. So the SEC is something that we rolled our eyes at for several years, Pierce, but now you're seeing the benefits that OU is getting when it comes to the recruiting side of things. I mean, yeah, it feels like literally, I mean, just a year ago today, I remember we were having the conversations whenever it all first started uh, coming out that OU was going to the SEC is we talked so much about how this was going to affect recruiting and, you know, it was so far away from us. Well, now we're there and being able to see these positive effects, this is exactly what we were hoping for back all this time we've been talking about this. You're right, it is really exciting seeing that positives coming out of this move to the SEC before we even actually make the official move. Yeah, all right, hit us up with the excitement today. Let's keep the energy going. Come on, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Travis, running depth, uh, running back depth, I should say, is uh, something that looks really good here moving forward. And we'll see what it looks like after this year with uh, Sawchuck and Barnes. But I think that's your one-two this year. I think that's your one-two heading into your first year in the SEC. And if you're backing that up with Tawi Walker, uh, Smothers, Caleb Hicks, Taylor Tatum, just to name a few, and they may not be done yet in this class, running back depth did not look great two years ago, I guess. Now it looks as deep as maybe you've had in a while. Yeah, we remember when we were begging Ramondre Ramondre Stevenson to to come back from that suspension. I mean, it was a week by week thing of, oh man, we really need this to, uh, you know, to get get back uh, to how we're used to running the ball. And I mean, we spoke about it. Seth Luttrell's addition as well. Seth Luttrell getting back with Bill Biedenboe, who's getting back with Jerry Schmidt. I think that going forward, we may see some of the best run games that Oklahoma's ever had and obviously the wishbone you know it's a whole different can of worms right I mean it's just set up differently but I would say kind of in this modern era if you will that you're going to have so much talent in there you're going to have the strength coach back you're going to have the coaching that you need but there's one thing I'm going to push back on a little bit that I've been hearing on these airwaves Tyler Uh uh-oh 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 and that is the suggestion that Caden Durham is quote-unquote gravy or a luxury at this point. And i got to push back because, you know, we talk about being SEC ready, right? Well, let me uh, have you look no further than uh, the 2023 running back class. Alabama signed the number two and the number four running backs. In, in 2022, they signed the number two and the number six running backs. You kind of get where I'm going with this. When we talk about you know, really being SEC ready and we want to compete for national titles, not just compete for conference titles, Caden Durham is a need. You you need to be absolutely two, three deep with top, top, top talent because the teams you're going against, that's what they have. So absolutely we will be deeper than we've ever been, it feels like. But Caden Durham's still very much a need in this class, just as Taylor Tatum was, because that's how you have to recruit. Yeah, well, I, look, things are good right now with running back recruiting, but to your point, and I, and I do agree with it, is I'm never going to say no to a blue-chip player, really at any position, and even running back, man, because you just never know 
who's going to pop and be the star of a recruiting class, right? I, I, I mentioned the comparison between, you know, P. Ryan and Mixon in their recruiting class. Mixon was the one that everyone was excited about. And not that he didn't end up being a great player, but P. Ryan's your all-time leading rusher in school history. So, yeah, if I can get three legitimate blue-chip running backs in this class, I'll take three legitimate blue-chip running backs in this class. But what DeMarco yeah. has done since he got here has been, it's been absolutely, it's just been outstanding. And I think that this is, you know, Eric Gray had a good year last year, but this is a big year, I think, Travis, in terms of, all right, he's recruiting at a fantastic level these past three cycles. Now maybe you have your first legit maybe one-two duo that you've had since Mixon and P. Ryan. Like, he doesn't need help recruiting right now. Today proves that. I feel like that's the next step for DeMarco Murray, though, is, okay, you had a good running back last year. Let's see you have two or three that are really, really good and help you game in and game out. Well, we kind of talk about it uh, with the quarterbacks, right, Tyler, is – you know, Dylan Gabriel last year didn't really feel that push from, you know, the depth, right? Because, you know, it, it just – it's human nature. You act differently when you have a bit more security, a little bit more comfort. It's kind of like a bottle of shampoo, Tyler. When you first get a bottle of shampoo, man, you're, you're, you're taking those big old dollops, right? Well, by the end of it, you know, you're, you're filling it with water, you're shaking it, you know, you're putting it upside down, trying to get every last drop because – when, when when you're comfortable, eh, okay, you can take it a little bit easy. And I think that's what this running back recruiting is really going to do. I think we're going to see the best versions of these players because, man, if you if you don't, there, there, are, there are a bunch of, you know, blue chippers behind you that are hungry, and they're going to start pushing for some playing time. So uh, I think it's only going to make the everybody on the team better. And I'm glad you brought up Mixon, Tyler, because – you know, we've talked about that's the last five-star running back that we had, correct? Yes, back in what? What was that, the 2014 class? Yeah. 2014 class. Um, and then, of course, you know what happened in 2015. Well, Lincoln Riley gets to campus. So, you know, we had no trouble getting five-star running backs under Stoops and seemingly have no trouble getting them uh, under uh, Brent Venables. You know, for being the offensive guru that Lincoln Riley, you know, is or claims to be, man, couldn't quite ever get top talent at running back or at least five-star running back into the fold. He had them because others recruited, you know, five stars to him, but he never himself landed a five-star running back, you know, according to the rankings at OU. 918's on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. P. Ryan also had the NCAA single-game rushing record. Yeah, I was soaking wet watching that one against Kansas. Uh, Jamie and Whitehouse, well said, Travis. That is the reality if we want to compete. And others are mentioning, um, yeah, uh, hashtag competitive depth is what you're talking about there. And in a more physical conference like the SEC, like you got by a couple of years ago. I mean, technically, you, you didn't play in the – the conference championship game, but you got by with really only having, what, two scholarship backs on the roster, that's not a situation that you want to roll into the SEC with, Travis. And I think everyone knows that. So if there's seven seven scholarship players next year, whatever the number is, at the running back position, they'll be, quote-unquote, SEC ready in terms of scholarship backs. So they'll be, they'll be okay there. That won't be an issue. Yeah, we're already going to go into the SEC with better, like, actual better rosters than 
I don't know, 10, 12 SEC teams, something like that. I mean, pretty much Alabama, Georgia, when you look at, like, blue chip ratio like and what we've done with last year's class and that what we look to do with this year's class. I mean, so the idea, you know, SEC ready, we're going to have better rosters than over half the conference. So, you know, the rest of that just comes with continue to stack talent, stack classes, stack talent. This, I mean, Steve Wolfong had a bit of a typo in a, in a tweet a little bit earlier. He said that uh, Brent Venables was looking to sign his second straight top ten class, you know, it would actually be his third straight because he had the number eight class when he first got here in 2022. Uh, and then really he's looking to put the second, you know, top five class back to back, because I'll tell you what, Tyler, if you just add stone and Winery to the current rankings, I think we jumped to number four with 17 total commitments. Now, Jeez. obviously other people are going to, you know, add, add recruits as well, but you, you look at the 17 number and it's like, Oh wow. The average recruit rankings really getting up there. Obviously, then you talk about the possibility of Dominic McKinley. You talk about the offensive line, maybe one Grant Bricks joining the fold. And you really start to, you know, build out these classes on your class calculator. And there's an absolute path to another top five class, which is just insane considering, Tyler, you've been on locked in, you know, all year, all summer with people saying, oh, man, was that just a flash in the pan? Can we not recruit? Look at the fruits of the labor, Tyler. Yeah, it's there. Russ in Atlanta, why is ESPN saying we got the nation's number two running back? Uh, Russ, I'm guessing that they have him ranked as, or ESPN has him has him ranked as the number two back. Just call him the number one back in a five-star. It's just a lot easier that way. And it is true. He is. He yeah, is the number one running composite. back. He is a five-star. Just Yeah, just call, it, just call him that. And, Tyler, call I want to Don't, don't even some, worry about ESPN. I want to point something out uh, to the – number one and number two, because we're going to hear this a lot, right? We may hear it for the rest of our lives. There's going to be plenty of discourse about Taylor Tatum and Jared Gibson because Texas fans are going to say, well, Jared's really the, uh, you know, best back in the country, you know, but, you know, Taylor Tatum, you know, he's just overrated because this, that, or the other, you know, who cares? But these are the facts. Taylor Tatum was offered by Texas and Oklahoma, chose Oklahoma. Jared Gibson was not even offered by Oklahoma, and I think holds like 15 less offers than Taylor Tatum. So you can you can say, oh, I watched the film, I've got opinions, this, that, and the other. Jared Gibson did not earn an offer from Oklahoma. So Texas fans can sit there and say they got the better back, but ooh, I don't know. Not according to, uh, you know, DeMarco Murray. Uh, let me read a few more, and we'll uh, hit a break here. Zane says, any O-lineman out there? Who would like to block for the number one running back, five-star quarterback, and deepest backfield in the country? Zane, I'm sure that you are on to something right now. Um, Bill Biedenboe is probably throwing out that recruiting pitch as we speak if he hasn't already. Uh, yeah, I think that, that uh, that's pretty strong. 405 says Barnes and Sawchuck, Thunder and Lightning. That's it. I'm coining the phrase. That's Cody from UConn. Drew from Flower Mound wants to know, is Tyler or Travis a head and shoulders guy? Uh, I am whatever the wife buys. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm that guy. So whatever that is, whatever we get via Amazon, I'm not sure. I will say this. You were mentioning the, um, you know, at first when you get the new shampoo, you're being kind of greedy with it at first. And then towards the tail end of it, you feel like the poorest person ever trying to get every single drop. I feel like that. I, I don't know if I ever feel as poor as the end of a shampoo bottle or a toothpaste tube. You know, instead of just buying a new one, 
I'm trying to maximize everything that's in there still. Maximize everything we have left. Yeah. But it was a great it, comparison by you. Yeah, you know, I've been waiting to bust it out. Been waiting to bust uh, it out. In a perfect out. world, if you could guarantee me he doesn't get hurt, I would trade Barnes and Sawchuck right now for Taylor Tatum. That's how I good that's how Ooh. good I think Taylor Tatum is as Frisco Sooner. He's the best cutback runner I've seen in a while. Reminds me a lot of DeMarco, just my opinion. Frisco Sooner, I appreciate the opinion. I just <laughs> I don't know if I'm there with you. I'm not trading Barnes and Sawchuck, two running backs for one, though I think Taylor Tatum's going to be excellent. And the good news, Travis, is you don't have to trade for him. You got all three of them right now. I mean, Taylor Tatum's still got a sign on signing day, but as of right now, you got all three, and it's a hell of a spot to be in. Yeah, that, those are those conversations, right, Tyler? When when you see him on Twitter or you see him, you know, wherever, it's, all right, Sooner fans, which commit do you want to see commit the, 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 the most? Is it, you know, blah, 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 and everybody says Stone or Winery or they say, you know, Tatum or they say Durham, whatever. Like, those kind of posts, like, y- you don't have to choose. And say everybody says Stone, what's Winery going to, you know, what's Winery going to do when he sees that? Or, or or somebody like that saying, oh, well, man, I'm number one player in the country according to On3, and I'm not even who the fans are, would be most excited about. Like, that kind of stuff. Those are those questions like, guys, we don't have to. We don't have to have these conversations. You can just say all of them. I would like all of them, please. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's Friday. If you in the Oklahoma City area, you need some plans, I got good news for you. Grooving for Autism is tonight at Chicken and Pickle from 6 to 11 p.m. I mean, I'm already out here. You can come hang out if you want. But the event is from 6 to 11 p.m. Get your tickets at groovingforautism.org. And, yeah, if you're a fan of the ref, you can bid on a chance, not bid, but it's a silent auction, to uh, get an hour on uh, the rush. Silent auction, one hour on the rush. That'll be featured here live at Groovin for Autism, along with some uh, a lot of other cool uh, auction items as well. Okay, yes, recruiting is going to be the focal point of the show today, but we've got a lot from Pac-12 Media Day today. Boy, everyone's making fun of them. And a lot of stuff from SEC Media Day and, of course, OU football as well. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. It is the rush on the ref five-star Friday, as uh, Travis Davidson is calling it today. Taylor Tatum Day, five-star Friday. I think I like five-star Friday. We'll uh, we'll keep it there. Ref Army is everywhere here at Chicken and Pickle. I'm almost out of T-shirts. I still got about 800 koozies left, so if uh, you want to come by and say hi or if you're coming for uh, grooving for autism later tonight, I'll have some ref stuff. But uh, Harper... Young Harper, who listens to the ref every single morning with her dad, is out here as well. She got one of our ref T-shirts. So um, good times. Chicken and pickle here in OKC. I don't know. like Travis, I'll start with you, man. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the tones from the three media days have been a little bit different. The tone from SEC media day this week has kind of been – yeah, we are a super conference. We are the super conference. We're elites, and we're only going to be better moving forward with OU and Texas. More of a an elitist feel by the SEC media group, right? 
Big 12 Media Day last week, it was, well, we're still going to be okay, we're going to be fine, OU and Texas are leaving, sure, but we got a lot to be excited about. And then Pac-12 Media Day, I don't know how much people have been keeping up with it, but everyone is making fun of their commissioner, everyone's making fun of the Pac-12, basically saying, you guys look pathetic for coming up with excuse after excuse why you haven't announced a media deal just yet. Yeah, I don't get QVC plus, so I haven't uh, tuned into Pac-12 Media Days. Uh, um, but you know, I'm sure there's there, there's a lot of good stuff coming from there. I know that Lincoln. I think Lincoln was in media availability whenever the Tatum announcement happened. So uh, correct. I, I wonder. I mean, obviously, he's known that uh, his efforts were in futility, but. Yeah, it, I haven't really heard much there, but yeah, you, it's b- big time different tones, and I think they kind of, you know, they kind of take on, you know, how a lot of people say you take on the characteristics of your coach, your boss, your city, you know, things like that, right? Well, I think really the commissioners really have been setting the tone, right? Because your mark is the one that's coming out saying, "Hey, fresh, exciting." You know, we're going to have this musical act here. We're going to do this here. We're going to have our own, you know, combine. We're going to do this. And so, naturally, it seems like a lot of the coaches, you know, are really excited about what's to come. You know, the media is excited about what's to come for the Big 12. And it's kind of like they're, they're almost trying to talk themselves into being excited about it. Uh, you know, a lot of that. SEC, thanking them, they're like, yeah, we know we're the best. We're just adding two of the other best programs in the country. We've been the best for a long time. Our stadiums are more full. You know, our TV rights, you know, are better. Our, our trophy cases are better. Like, it's – they've almost got almost a Ric Flair confidence to them a little bit without the woos. But then Pac-12, I mean, they're, they're about to float off into the ocean. So uh, not really paying much attention to them. I mean, here is a real quote today from the Pac-12 commissioner. We are not announcing the TV deal today on purpose because I want the focus to be on football. We're not announcing it today. No, we're not talking about the media deal that everyone's talking about. We want the focus to be purely on football. Well, nice try there, George. All anyone wants to know about is your media deal. And he had to basically kind of run from all those questions all day today. It was it was not the best look today at Pac-12 Media Day. And, uh, yeah. People have been having fun today at the uh, Pac-12 expense. Um, Pierce, I I know that you you weren't in Nashville, but I know that you were following SEC Media Day, and we got a lot of OU content really all four days coming out of Nashville. Was was there one storyline, whether it was what Beamer said about OU being SEC ready, Heupel's comments yesterday, was there one comment to you throughout the week that maybe stood out above the rest? Yeah, I think I think you hit the the Shane Beamer saying OU was SEC ready. I I kind of thought the coaches were gonna kind of dance around those questions, um, so I was a little bit surprised to see somebody either say they were or weren't ready. I, I kind of just expected there to be very vague. So seeing something come from, it, granted, it was a former OU coach, but that was the biggest thing that actually kind of surprised me. Everything else kind of made sense. I know Heupel. Um, I guess the only other thing that really surprised me was Heupel not knowing that uh, uh, the Palace on the Prairie was a thing. I don't know if you guys saw that or <laughs> well, not. Well, it right? wasn't a thing when he was here. <laughs> right, though, and I didn't know that. It, it's all, In yeah. my entire lifetime, it's been Palace on the Prairie, to my knowledge. Yeah, I think uh, Toby, yeah, that was, Toby that made that, was, that in a scene setter like, what, 11 years ago, something like that, 2012, was it? 
I think it really caught on. Um, was it the year? Was it the year after? Oh, oh, so Tennessee came to town. Last time Tennessee was here was that 2014 season. That was Josh Heupel's last year. I feel like that 2014 season, Toby can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that 2014 season is really when the Palace on the Prairie really started to kind of make a run as, you know, what people refer to as, as the stadium. That was his last year, so maybe the timing was off a little bit there, but nah, you're you're right, Pierce. That was that was funny. And by the way, the SEC preseason poll was released today. Tell me, Travis, if uh, you see any big surprises here or what your big takeaway is. SEC uh, preseason poll in the East, they got Georgia at one, Tennessee at two, South Carolina at three, Kentucky at four, Florida at five, Missouri at six, Vandy at seven. In the West, you got Bama at one, LSU at two, A&M at three, Ole Miss at four, Arkansas at five, Auburn at six, and Mississippi State at seven. Any uh, big reaction there, or is it just all chalk? Man, Florida, good Lord. I mean, and it, and it kind of, kind of goes fallen. to show you, Tyler, It we talk about, you know, SEC programs and how they've won national titles. Like, you know, I think a lot of OU fans would agree that if we were in the SEC the past 10 years, we might not have the win-loss record that we currently do. But I do think we would have a national championship in the last decade simply because that's what we've seen the conference do. But this happens, right? Like Florida – you know, had had won, you know, a couple with with Urban, you know, they were at the top of the sport, and then they fall back. I think they're at a five-and-a-half win total now, picked to be at the back end of the East. And then you've got, you know, LSU, who was, you know, the two years after they won the national title, they had a losing record, you know, and got rid of Ed O and, and, uh, and that whole, you know, nightmare in, in Baton Rouge there for a little while. And then, so you see these ebbs and flows. Auburn, I mean, Auburn won, and and I don't even know what Gene Chizik is doing now. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting. Let's do a TV. The, I don't even know well, if he's eb- doing TV anymore. Maybe he is. The, the ebbs and flows of the SEC are truly fascinating to me. And and Florida, I, I don't get it. I mean, it, they're a a storied program. They've got you know a great home field advantage. They should really be the flagship you know, football program in that state considering that they're in the SEC and we've seen how that has helped like a school like Texas A&M recruit better. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm Florida being that low, I don't think they're going to be any good, but it's just weird to hear it out loud. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they, they've had some lean years. I mean, they weren't very good with old Muschamp as the head coach, right? Um, you know, Florida's, they've hit on some coaches, obviously, Steve Spurrier, uh, Urban Meyer, I don't think anyone likes Urban Meyer, but he did win two national championships there. That was a hit. They've also had some misses, though, man. Ron Zook after Steve Spurrier. Um, of course, Jim McElwain lying naked with a shark on the boat wasn't great. And then I just mentioned Will Muschamp as well. But Florida is always – there's a lot of teams in the SEC like this. But Florida is always one good hire away from getting good and getting good quick. So I think they'll probably finish fifth in the SEC East this year, but is Florida going to be down for the next seven years? Yeah, I'm not. I, I, I'm not there, man. I, Florida, I think, will get back at some points. Uh, Chiswick is on the North Carolina staff, says the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. So I like that. Thank, appreciate that. 
Uh, okay, Chicken and Pickle here in OKC, groovingforautism.org. Come join a fun event coming up later tonight. More OU football, more OU Cruton coming up next. Keep it locked on The Ref. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Talking OU football in the big Cruton win today. Taylor Tatum, five-star running back, number one running back in the 2024 class, commits to OU. So there's good uh, recruiting news there. Um, and, and this has been kind of expected for a while, but some other good recruiting news. There's a new prediction in for four-star defensive lineman Nigel Smith out of uh, Melissa, Texas. And that, that, it's never bad when you get another prediction in for a four-star defensive lineman to ultimately pick OU. But been the feeling for about two years that OU has led on Nigel Smith. But you had a, um, a national uh, recruiting analyst at On3 just logged that prediction earlier this afternoon. Uh, okay, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439. Dylan says, ebbs and flows of the SEC, my ass, is Georgia and Alabama, and it has been for the past 15 years. Um, I mean, here's the thing, Dylan. It's, you know, in the past 15 years, yes, Georgia and Bama have won titles, but LSU's won a title, Florida's won a title, and Auburn has also won a title in those 15 years. And though Georgia looks like the uh, the king of college football now, I mean, Travis, four years ago, three years ago, that Georgia was still a program that was looking to get over the hump finally. Yeah, and, yeah. in the last 15 years, Georgia's had a 6-7 and seven season, which we're all feel too familiar with now, and three 8-5s. and fives. I mean, the, the idea that Georgia, you know, has been atop the SEC for the past 15 years just isn't based in, in much reality. But – but and Bama, of course, Bama's been running stuff, absolutely. But since OU has had their last national championship win, five SEC programs have won a national title, and four of them have won multiple. So that's that's what I'm saying. That's that's all I'm trying to say. And I don't want to I don't want to turn the entire segment into was Georgia good or not. But my point still stands. It's the SEC. You have the opportunity because you're going to get the athletes. You're going to get to the playoff, and it won't be. When you finally get to the playoff, it won't be a team that, you know, you haven't seen anything like them before. I mean, Lincoln talked about getting to the playoff and, you know, not having the best roster, having the worst roster, you know, all four years. Yeah, but it, was, it I think it stood out to him because he was looking across the sideline and going, holy crap, we haven't seen anybody like that. You know, you don't have that when you come yeah, out the- of the SEC. Captain Willard on the text line, I love all the shade directed at Lincoln Riley, but how does SC think they're going to hang in the Big Ten? Granted, the head coach is probably counting on the NFL saving him, but they are screwed once they leave the Pac-12. Well, Captain Willard, it definitely feels like like USC just doesn't have the same blueprint as the rest of the teams in the Big Ten. Like, USC will probably be okay when they play Northwestern and Illinois and Michigan State, but like I know Ohio State's getting beat up for what they've been defensively. I'd still take Ohio State's defense over what I've seen from Lincoln Riley defenses recently, right? Same thing for Michigan, same thing for Wisconsin, same thing for Penn State. Like, yeah, it's it's a very like you can see the fits for OU and the SEC. 
the fit with USC and the Big Ten is a lot more interesting. And I even read earlier this week, Travis, that you know the SEC obviously helped out OU in winning out with Taylor Tatum over SC. Apparently, there's a lot of Big Ten schools going out to California to recruit and having a lot of success right now. So it just doesn't feel like USC is locking down its own state like maybe it has under Pete Carroll before. Um, they've got their work cut out for them in that conference. And I'm, I, I guess I'm just not super confident that they're going to roll out there and win 10 games every single year in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, Tyler, because California, and this is a point that's been made, but I think it I think it's worth rehashing. California isn't producing the the big uglies, right? Like they're not producing the the big defensive linemen that you need, the big offensive linemen uh, that you need. I mean, they've got a lot of quarterbacks out there. They got a lot of wide receivers. They got a lot of running backs. A lot of seven on seven type football players out there in California. Um, and a lot of the pretty positions, and that's what Lincoln Riley recruits. So when he said, oh, man, I can put together a roster out there at USC, he probably thought he could because the only positions he knows exists are wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs, or at least wide receivers and, and quarterbacks. So uh, once somebody actually tells him that there's other positions on the team that are important and actually a whole other side of the ball, then he might you know, walk back those comments. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting because they went 0 for 3, this, you know, this week they had talked about how they had three big targets making announcements. Tatum was the last one to make an announcement, and he obviously chose the Sooners. So they go for three, but, you know, reading the USC message boards, they're drinking the Kool-Aid, Tyler. They're saying, oh, it doesn't yeah. matter if we missed out on these people. We'll never struggle under Lincoln to get, you know, top talent. We'll never struggle. Like, bro, did, I know y'all just started watching football in 2022, but you might, y'all might want to check the tape. <laughs> Well, I don't doubt, like, however long he's still there and the text line right now is, oh, he's going to the NFL. He ain't even going to coach a game in the Big Ten. What are we talking about here? They'll be fine offensively. Like, 100%, whatever conference they're in, they'll be fine offensively. They'll find a quarterback. They'll find skilled position players. They're always going to be more than capable offensively. But this text from the 405 says, I hate to say it, but USC will be fine in the Big Ten. They are a blue blood and will be in a fertile recruiting ground. And, yeah, they're in a blue blood. They are a blue blood. They're still in a fertile recruiting ground, yes. But back to the point that Travis was making, and, and I think I was you know, basically saying a very similar thing previously, is the down linemen. They don't have the down linemen in the state of California. They're not going to other regions of the country to get down linemen. And, Travis, the Big Ten is way more of a line of scrimmage league, in my opinion, than the Pac-12 is. So maybe USC doesn't have to completely alter what they do, but they're going to have to find a way to get better in the trenches, and I just don't see them doing that at any point in the near future. Not with this staff. No, I couldn't agree more. And it's, you know, Mike Farrell had an interesting, and and I know people have varying opinions on Mike Farrell, but had an interesting article about, you know, what coaches do we give too much love to? And he had Matt Campbell and actually Lincoln Riley and, um, some others on there, and it was actually a pretty fascinating uh, article. Jimbo Fisher was on there. It was it was an OU fans, you know, fever dream of an article because it basically picked on all of our rivals, uh, or at least the coaches we don't like. But yeah, it, it talked about how he feasts on, uh, you know, feasts on bad, you know, bad defenses. But when he's faced top thirty defenses, he's really struggled. Obviously, the defensive struggles are there. Uh, he kind of he kind of gets fat on the on the easy teams uh, from an offensive perspective, but 
it's he's always going to be a good offensive mind, good play caller, but again, he doesn't seem to understand, and he's too loyal to Grinch. He doesn't seem to understand that you can't outscore everybody. 708 from Illinois. USU will be fine when Cliff Kingsbury takes them into the Big Ten next year. Uh, let's see. Muleshoe didn't like to face Iowa State's defense. Just wait until they face Michigan, Iowa, and Penn State defense. That's from uh, the state of Nebraska. And one more from the 918. Adding Tatum to this class today. And if we get David Stone and Williams Winery, this class is going to do big things for show. Booma, that's from Anthony in McAllister, Oklahoma. Yeah, running back position is uh, looking real good right now. What, what do you think, Pierce? Is this the uh, Sawchuck Barn Show in 2023 at running back, or is Tawie Walker, is Marcus Major, or one of these two freshmen going to end up being the uh, number one or number two back? Oh, man. Dude, that's hard. That's hard. I think it's Barnes Sawchuck. I've been a huge Javante Barnes guy for a while now, and so this is. I'm really hoping to see him kind of take that big stride and really kind of lead uh, that backfield this season. So I, I'm going to go Barnes Sawchuck, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm there as well. 405-651-3439. Let's light it up on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We're talking college football until 6 p.m. tonight, live from Chicken and Pickle in OKC for Grooving for Autism. If you haven't heard, yeah, you can bid on an opportunity to host one hour of The Rush with Teddy Lehman and myself, GroovingForAutism.org. Buy a ticket, come to the event. There'll be a silent auction with your opportunity to be a member with the ref for a day. That'll be a lot of fun. All right, uh, we'll close up hour number one next right here on the, on the ref. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Five-star Friday right here on the Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davis, and Pierce Luffelholtz. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a five-star Friday with Taylor Tatum committing to OU. We'll talk more about that at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Travis, what interests you more? Both of these are apparently coming to Netflix soon. A documentary about the Urban Meyer Florida Gators with Tim Tebow, Aaron Hernandez, Percy Harvin, and that crew, or a 30-for-30 30 30 on Johnny Football and his time at Texas A&M? Which of the three, or the two, sorry? Uh, I'd have to go Florida. I mean, I feel like with Johnny, it's it's just going to be kind of sad, <laughs> right? Um, and it, and it, w- with focusing on just one player, really, I mean, you're going to get, you're not going to get as nuanced of a story, as multifaceted of a story. That Florida team, man, had, you know, Tim Tebow, the most outspoken Christian influence that college football maybe has ever seen and a murderer on the same team i mean yep that's that's fascinating and then urban you know it depends on how much they get into his stuff i mean there's i i I don't know i i i definitely think florida what about you guys yeah um pierce i johnny football is probably more of your age range when you were really watching the sport like johnny i think for the most part is going to be well, he partied a lot, but he was also really good at football. Here's all the attention that he got. Florida, there's just so many different ways you can go with what you said. Tebow, Harv, like that, that team was so just stacked full of talent. I'm going to guess what I think they're calling it Swamp Kings is probably more interesting. But, Pierce, I'm guessing that uh, the Johnny football era is probably more your, your age range. 
Yeah, it's definitely a lot of me and my friends have been talking about it. That was right around when I first started watching college football. So that's definitely something that I'm interested in. But I still think I'm more interested in watching the Florida one just because I hear, like like what you guys are saying, there's just so many storylines on there. I loved the uh, Aaron Hernandez uh, documentary. I thought that was really good and entertaining. Just combining that aspect, like you said, with Tim Tebow. Urban, I mean, there's, there's so many storylines that I know of and I wasn't watching at the time. So I know for a fact there are other ones that I know nothing about that make that team even more interesting than they already are in my mind. So I think the Florida one will be really interesting for me to watch just because of how new all the information will be to me. Yeah, well, that's that's a good point, Travis. It's I, I feel like I'm going to know or learn something about the Florida situation that I probably didn't know before. The only thing that I'll probably find out that I didn't know about the whole Johnny Manziel thing is what brand of vodka he was drinking uh, when he was partying the night before the game. That's probably really the only thing that we'll learn from that. Yeah, and and you know it's a good point because they talk about this a lot about hard knocks. Whereas, like, it's kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, I shouldn't say a little bit. It's fell off nearly entirely because we already see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, right? The teams put out behind-the-scenes stuff. There's always little NFL Films features on behind-the-scenes stuff. There's every, every player has their Instagram going all the time, has their Twitter going all the time. You know, it's the the behind-the-scenes, like, as, as technology has grown, access has grown, right? So... I guess it would kind of just be Florida because the technology wasn't there or as prevalent yet. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I think the last dance was so popular. That's why I think some of the older things like Miami, you know, the U, the 30 for 30 on the U was so popular. People want to see behind the scenes of things that that they can't see anymore. Yeah. Uh, Lloyd from El Reno says, after Tatum's commitment today, there was a video DeMarco saying Yamaha. What did he mean when he said that? Well, it's just his word that he likes to use uh, when he gets a commit, right? Like some like to use an emoji. Sam Pittman likes to throw out a, yes, sir, video when Arkansas gets a commit or even back at Georgia. That's just like how DeMarco, uh, this is how he rolls, what he says, Yamaha. It's unique. It's awesome. Uh, I like it. I think uh, all of you fans like it, especially today. There are rumors it goes back to uh, something in Vegas, and he said those that know, know. Well, I know Lincoln loves Vegas a lot, and they used to go every (laughs) offseason. Is it possible, Tyler, that the birth of the Yamaha phrase actually was in kind of that inner circle with Lincoln, so him saying Yamaha stung even more? I think it's possible. Boy, don't, don't we just hope so? Don't we hope that's the case? I know I do. That would be that'd be rich. Uh, five star Taylor Tatum commits to OU. We'll talk about it next, right here on the ref.